Welcome to Worldview from WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. Earth Day is Sunday. We're going to start the party early with our annual Earth Day quiz. We'll quiz you on Scott Pruitt, Cole, and reasons to be cheerful. The number's 312-923-9239. Winner gets WBEZ socks from our online pop-up store. Join on the Earth Day quiz, 312-923-9239. Snarky comments are welcome on Twitter at WBEZ Worldview. It's time for our annual Earth Day quiz. Every year, we let our hair down, have some fun, and quiz listeners on environmental issues for Earth Day. The way it works is we give the number 312-923-9239. You call us, and then we read you a few questions, me and my colleagues here, and then you get some WBEZ socks from our online pop-up store. And you can check out the online pop-up store at wbez.org slash store. With me in the studio is Kim Wasserman. She's executive director of the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. Great to see you, Kim. Thank you so much for having me here again this year. And Kim uh, won the 2013 Goldman Prize, Goldman Environmental Prize, for her role in closing the Fisk and Crawford coal plants in Chicago. And that's a great thing. The Goldman Prize gets awarded again in a week or so. Next week. uh, Next week. Mm -hmm. Howard Lerner is president and executive director of the Environmental Law Policy Center and joins us every year for the Earth Day Quiz. Great to see you, Howard. Good to see you and good to have fun with you and Kim. Uh, You're turning 25 this year. We are. Here it is. We were an entrepreneurial startup. We grew. We've gotten a lot of terrific stuff done. We're celebrating our 25th anniversary, May 11th, Navy Pier Grand Ballroom. It will be fun, a celebration, and it will be substantive as all get-go. Man, Please join a, us. You're having a band this year. We Howard. are having this a band. Last year, there was no band. Jerome. <laughs> we were there. Me and Kim were there. No you band. were there. It was great. We are celebrating. It's the 25th anniversary. <laughs> we got a lot of substance. We're going to have fun. Bring your dancing shoes. Bring yeah. your new socks. Absolutely. Those Bring your too. WBEZ socks are welcome at any game. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, We're going to get started with the Earth Day quiz and uh, talk to people and quiz them. Uh, Rachel, you're on WBEZ. Hello, Rachel. Hi. Rachel, we've got an interesting category for you. It's all about Scott Pruitt. Have you ever heard of him? (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Have you been brushing up on your Scott Pruitt news lately? Well, I just saw some headlines last night. Yeah, there's some pretty interesting ones. The New York Times had an editorial about him today. They said he was ridiculous, and they called him an, not just an industry lapdog, but also an arrogant, vengeful bully and small-time grifter bent on chiseling the taxpayer to suit his lifestyle and warm his ego. Oof. Oof. Wow. That is taking the gloves off, isn't it? <laughs> At least they're speaking some truth. There you go. Well, we're going to uh, start. Howard, why don't you start off with the first question here? All righty. EPA had Scott Pruitt believes whom or which of the following is ultimately responsible for protecting the environment? A, God. B, private sector energy companies. C, private landowners. D, the EPA. And E, the Constitution. 
Well, there's some interesting choices, kind of spanning the gamut of human endeavor there. I'm going to go out on a limb and say God. Pruitt believes God commands us to take care of the environment. And that also means to use what he has provided. The biblical worldview with respect to these, these issues is that we have a responsibility to, to manage and cultivate, harvest mm-hmm. uh, the natural resources that we've been blessed with uh, to, to, to truly bless our fellow mankind. That's Pruitt in February on the Christian Broadcasting Network. The an- correct answer is God. That's true. You got it, sadly, but you got it right. All right, you've got one Scott Pruitt question right. Uh, We're on to the second one. Uh, Kim, why don't you read the second one? Absolutely. Yesterday, Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth called for Scott Pruitt to step down from the Environmental Protection Agency. Which of the following controversies was Pruitt not accused of in the recent weeks? A, spending $3 million on first-class commercial air travel for himself, accompanied by a 20-member security detail. B, Installing a $43,000 soundproof phone booth in his office. C. Requested an antique rifle from the Smithsonian for $8,500 to go skeet shooting with Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke at Washington, D.C.'s Fort DuPont National Park. D. Renting a luxury Chicago, uh, Chicago, excuse me, a luxury Washington, D.C. condo for $50 a night from a major lobbyist. Or E, signing a $10,200 one-year lease on a new Chevy Suburban with bulletproof seat covers. Which um, The question is, which one did he not do? Correct. Isn't, isn't that amazing? He did, he did all of those things except one. Correct. Yeah. I'm sorry. I would say he probably didn't rent the condo for $50 a night. You're wrong. He's been covers. Yeah, he's been renting a condo from a major uh, lobbyist for fifty dollars yeah. a night. That's wow. pretty bad. You know what he didn't do was request an antique rifle from the Smithsonian and go uh, skeet shooting with the Interior Secretary at a national right. park. But he'll do that later. <laughs> After they spend thirteen thousand dollars to go of EPA money to go meet the uh, Las Vegas NHL hockey team as well. <laughs> there you go. Um, let's uh, move on to uh, what do we have? One more uh, question on Scott Pruitt. Pruitt. For the socks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We go and move on to optimism, I guess. You get an optimism question. Okay. Uh, Kenya is one of the world's most recent countries to adopt limits on plastic bags. What does the law impose on people who use or distribute plastic bags? This is Kenya. Seven cents, uh, the seven cent tax on every plastic bag sold at certain stores, a maximum $38,000 fine and four years of jail time, mandatory, a mandatory hour of community service for every bag in your possession, or public shaming in the country's national newspaper. Your your picture printed in the national newspaper as a plastic bag user. So, what would be the penalty in Kenya for using a plastic bag, do you think? Maybe the picture in the newspaper? No, 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 no. You would think so, but no, they have gone with the maximum $38,000 fine and four years of jail time. That's an expensive wow. plastic bag. 
That is unbelievable. That is um, serious. Uh, the reduction of plastic bags helped combat Kenya's malaria problem with fosters in polluted water. Uh, there's other countries that are banning bags, plastic bags. Belize bans all single-use plastic, uh, and they're going to do that by 2019. So there's places out there doing I can't wait to ban plastic bags. You know, you're seeing more that the states are stepping up here when the federal government's stepping back. And you're going to see a number of states saying enough is enough with plastic bags. They're not good for wildlife. They're not good for fish. They're not good for birds. They're not good for the environment. And we have good substitutes. We don't need them. I carry a bag with me in my bag. You're a good guy. There you go. It's as easy as pie. Everybody <laughs> does it in, in France and all those swanky places. <laughs> Chicago, a really swanky place. <laughs> we have bags to carry to the grocery store too, Jerome. Yes. We're good people. Rachel, thanks a lot for playing this game. You only got one out of three right, but we want you to have the uh, the WBEZ socks anyway. Yay! And uh, thanks a lot for uh, – what are you doing for Earth Day, Rachel? Anything special? Do you got any plans? Um, I think I'll just take my kids out into nature and talk to them about what we see around us. That is perfectly awesome. That is what we should do. Enjoy our nature. And another great activity is to make your own pla- bags to take to the grocery store. Hey, have the kids design them, and that way they don't have to get their plastic bags. That's true. Uh, you know, there's uh, lots of things to do. The Garfield Park Conservatory Alliance and the Natural Resources Defense Council are partnering on their annual Earth Day celebrations. They're doing it at the Garfield Park Conservatory. Should be fun. There's yeah, lots of places to go. It's a good event. It's on the weekend this time, so it's uh, everybody's doing it. All right, Rachel, thanks well, a lot for calling. Happy Earth Day. Uh, let's go on to our second caller. And Maria, you're on Worldview on WBEZ. How are you? Hey, I am I'm great. How are you? That's good, because we've got optimistic questions for you about <laughs> our, our energy and environment. Good. Howard, good. fire it off. I'm the energy optimist. I believe in clean energy. We need to accelerate it. So which energy technology received the most investment worldwide in 2017? A, solar power. B, fossil fuels. C, nuclear power. D, Wood-burning stove technology. Okay, repeat the question. Which renewable energy? Just energy, period. One more time. (laughs) One more time. (laughs) In 2017, which of the following energy technologies gained the most investment worldwide? Solar power, that's A. Fossil fuels, B. Nuclear power, C. Wood-burning stove technology, that's D. Fossil fuels. No, no, no. Come on, be an optimist. This is the optimism section. It's solar power. I've got the New York Times open. (laughs) (laughs) You're dealing with that Scott Pruitt editorial, aren't you? That's right. Uh, Look, this is actually good news about all the analysis that's been done. It is solar. It is solar. It's solar. Uh, There's a U.N.-backed report. There are investment reports. They're all saying the good things for you. Trust your gut. What happened was in 2017, the tide has turned. We've hit a pivot point. There's more investment in solar power than in any other energy technology. And there was more solar capacity installed, this is globally, than any other energy sources combined. In Illinois, we now have a 99-megawatt solar project going forward in southern Illinois. That's a big breakthrough. That does sound good. I knew that. I met an installer this weekend who works nationally. <laughs> They're crawling out of the woodwork. 
All right. Uh, Kim's got the next question for you. Absolutely. Okay, Kim, go for it. TV news is notorious for ignoring environmental issues. How many minutes did major network TV talk shows and newscasts devote to climate change coverage in 2017? A, 20 minutes. B, 90 minutes and half, an hour and a half. C, 140 minutes or two hours and 20 minutes. D, per 260 minutes or four hours and 20 minutes. Per day or per week? A total for the whole year. This is a total. And this is the Sunday political shows and nightly newscasts on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox, the broadcast network Fox. I'm going to give you the minutes one more time. A, 20, B, 90, C, 140, or D, 260 minutes. I'm wavering between 20 and 90. I'll go with 90. Oddly enough, this is the optimism section of the, the category, and uh, it's 260. It's the most possible, but it sure isn't much, is it? It's four hours and 20 minutes. For, I'm just being a realist. That was, <laughs> we caught you again. That's you're, right. You're ruthlessly stuck in this rut. You need us. I do not watch CBS, ABC, and um, the other one except for uh, Stephen Colbert. Uh, li- listen only to public broadcasting. <laughs> See, only, only WBEZ. My only exception is Stevie. Stevie who? Colbert. Oh, Colbert. Oh, okay. Colbert. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's four hours and 20 minutes for four networks uh, that on, on regular television, according to Media Matters for America. That's, I'm that's, that's like one hour per year per network. And that's an increase from last year. 2016 was only 50 my, minutes. My 90 wasn't so – my 90 was actually optimistic. <laughs> Get more optimistic. <laughs> yes, we can change the world. Optimism. Pragmatic idealism. Opti- yeah, listen, um, action. That's right. That's right. What, what are you doing for Earth Day? Well – um, I am going to, um, I would dive in the lake and I might, but I will for sure splash, uh, Maria, this is really, face. this is really something dive in the lake. Yes, it is. It is what I do. Wow. And I will drive what to you? Woodlawn to my community garden that is, has been closed and be easy supports us on Vocalo to get it out on the air uh, oh, good. to light a fire. All right, this is cool. great stuff. And visit my plants, and then, based on your recommendation, I'm going to go to Garfield Park. Hey, oh, that's now. good. Here's another one. The uh, Earth Day at the University of Illinois at Chicago, they've got a sustainability for fair uh, outdoor pop-up event planned by U of UIC students, and it's part of Garden for Climate Change. And they, uh, they're going to do this. They have booths, activities, all sorts of things. It's the Earth Day Sustainability Fair at UIC. That's pretty good. Thank you. You know, I, uh, I am an alumni, alumnus, alumna, and um, <laughs> I've, I've worked freelance with Loyola. I'm glad UIC is picking up the ball. Me too. Maria, thanks a lot for playing the Earth Day quiz. Great. Thank you so much. Love 
We love you too. Thank you. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with Howard Lerner. He is from the Environmental Law Policy Center and Kim Wasserman, the Executive Director of the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. And we'll continue the Earth Day quiz. The number to call is 312-923-9239 to play. Winners get socks from our WBEZ online pop-up store. So that's fun. I'm Jerome McDonald and you are listening to Worldview on WBEZ. Here comes a sun, little darling. Here comes a sun. I say it's all right. It's all right, little darling. It's been a long, cold, and lonely winter, little darling. It's been. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We're playing our annual Earth Day quiz. Earth Day is on Sunday. We're getting started a little early and having some fun and quizzing listeners on some of the environmental issues that are out there. With me is Howard Lerner from the Environmental Law Policy Center and Kim Wasserman from the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. And we're taking uh, your phone calls and quizzing you and giving you WBEZ socks if you win at 312 923 9239. Howard, uh, why don't you take the next question? Well, and this is, I, I've got to get the caller on here. Uh, Salvatore, you're on WBEZ. Well, this is a good one for me to do because I can be very complimentary of our fellow guest, Ms. Kim Wasserman. Thank you. Kim, our guest here, won the 2013 Goldman Environmental Prize for rallying Chicago's Little Village community to shut down a coal plant in their neighborhood. Which of the following has happened since the coal plant closed? And this is in the Little Village neighborhood. A, the power plant owners planted trees on the site of the former pollution. B, a mayonnaise factory expanded into the neighborhood. C, there were plans unveiled for a new trucking hub. D, all of the above. E, none of the above. Salvatore, are you with us there? Uh, yes, do you hear me? Yes, how did you like that question? It's all about Kim and Little Village and that coal power plant they shut down. And what what do you think might be going down since the coal plant closed? Can I can I hear the can I hear A B C and D again? Well, sure. I one do. more time. <laughs> one more time here. Listen in. Number 1, the coal plant owners planted trees on the site. B there's a new mayonnaise factory expanding into the neighborhood. C, plans were unveiled for a new trucking hub. So and trees, then, mayonnaise factory, trucking hub, and, all of the above, none of the above. Um, well, that's a hard one because I actually know there's a mayonnaise factory in, in Cicero not too far away. Um, I'm going to go with C. I think it was a trucking hub. Actually, it was all of those things. Uh, all of those things. That oh. is correct. That Kim, is correct. So, Kim, 
Why is it a bad thing that a mayonnaise factory comes to your neighborhood? There'd be plenty of mayonnaise for your sandwiches. Absolutely. And actually, they've been in the neighborhood for 100 yeah, years. Right. Um, what it is is that Little Village, along with a lot of other neighborhoods, are seeing a huge increase in diesel trucks um, in our communities. And just like our industrial corridor is growing, many others are growing. And we have serious concerns about how our health and environment is being impacted. And so as great as it is to have a Hellman's Mayo Company in my neighborhood, we just have concerns about the air quality issues that come with those diesel trucks that carry. Is it right next to a school? Right next to an elementary school. And the new expansion of the school where all the pre-K through third graders will be will be closest to the back of the diesel trucks. Oh, that's interesting. So could they have some other kind of alternative and continue their commitment to the neighborhood? Absolutely. What we're asking right now, actually, from Unilever is that they uh, commit to donating and paying for an upgraded air filtration system at the school so that the kids can actually have good indoor air quality um, and that they commit to electrification of their fleet. And not just them, but anybody who has diesel trucks in the city as well. Now, I wanted to also ask about this uh, new trucking hub. You went to some trouble to close this Crawford coal plant for which you won the most prestigious environmental prize on the planet. And they said um, after they shut it down that they would give you kind of a look at what they were, what, what was going to happen next so that you could kind of have some community input into what happens when the coal plant goes down. And how, how did that go? Um, unfortunately, um, not well. Not well. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Kim, just say it. Not, not well. well. <laughs> not well. Not well at all. Um, company, um, First company, second company went bankrupt. Um, and so now we're at a third company. And although they say they believe in the guiding principles and want to talk to the community, they've already announced a new trucking hub on the site. So that means the same problems you got with the mayonnaise factory can come to the place that was polluting you before. Correct. Correct. And so right now we're talking with the new owners um, and pushing as hard as possible to ensure that our community is not equally as harmed as it was before when that coal power plant was there. But now instead of coal, the potentially deadly form could be diesel and the emissions that it produces. Wow. That's 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 bad. I guess the struggle just continues. It does continue, and we're ready for the fight. That's you know? kind of like what being a, an environmental justice activist is all about. It's just one thing after another. You bat and knock down one thing, you go down to the Absolutely. Next. But we're definitely looking at the bigger picture. It's not just the company. It's also the city. How are they allowing folks to move into the neighborhood without considerations for the community's health and environment? So the optimistic view of this, Kim agrees, two steps forward, one step back. But keep moving two steps forward, and we make progress. Absolutely. I got to admit, I was surprised when I read it in Midwest Energy News. Carrie Leiterson reporting on, on this. I was very uh, upset about this. Absolutely. Bravo, Carrie. Absolutely. Dang. But everything else is good. You're having nice nice times there in the Little Village? Little Village is an amazing community. How's your thriving, community garden going? Thriving, getting ready for the summer. Although spring doesn't, spring's having a difficult time coming in this year. We're ready to go. <laughs> You're beefing up the, the, the community garden, I hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, it was, used to have oil stuff on it? Used to have oil stuff. We fought to get it cleaned up. And now we have 22 amazing families working um, the land in Little Village and growing organic fresh food um, and selling it in the community. Now, that's awesome. Very exciting. All right. I, I've kind of gotten lost from Salvatore. How, how are you, Salvatore? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, good. We've got more coal questions for you. Kim's just going to keep going. We're going to ask you more about All coal. right. In t- 2011, two power companies closed power plants on the banks of Illinois' scenic Vermilion River. How much toxic coal waste did they leave behind? A, 111,000 tons. B, 3.3 million cubic yards 
which, by the way, is the equivalent of 2.5 times the size of the Empire State Building, 300 cubic yards, or 40 million cubic yards. Ooh. This is still not optimism, right? So I'm no, gonna... no, no, no. <laughs> so we move on from optimism, so I'm... Uh, but I wouldn't be that. I wouldn't be that pessimistic. I don't know if I'd go all the way with your pessimism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, forty million cubic yards, the worst uh, one is the volume of debris that FEMA removed from the Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, so that 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 seems like too much. Boy, Jerome, you're uh, sure trying to give away those socks, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but three hundred is way too too low. Which one was? Three point three million. No, there was 3,000 cubic yards, which that sounds too low. Yeah, uh, there, yeah. so what about 3.3 million cubic yards? Only, it was only two and a half times the size of the Empire State Building. Yeah, I think that's too much, too. Oh. Uh, you do Salvatore, that, really? do you want the socks? Well, that one, just because of your reaction to that. So. That's right. Yeah. You're absolutely You're right. right. <laughs> it was 3.3 million cubic yeah. yards. Can you? Th- I, I can't kind of fathom two and a half times the size of the Empire State Building, toxic coal waste. I can't believe that uh, power companies do something like this, Howard. <clears throat> you know what? Everybody ought to clean up their mess. That's the thing we yes. learned when we're kids. Yes. And it is just sad and it's irresponsible when companies that own coal plants don't take care of the coal ash, the other waste they create. You know, if you're going to operate a business and you're going to do that in a responsible way, you clean up your mess. We all learned that as kids. We all learned that at school. Hopefully many of us learned it at home, but that's how business could be done. There are a lot of businesses that do a good job. They're responsible. They take care of what they've done. Did you ever have to sue somebody who didn't? Yes, we have. And you're going to have a next question that comes up about that. Oh, man, this is going to be good. Yeah. Um, Salvatore, here's your next question. You're you're at 50-50. The coal company First Energy filed for Chapter 11 restructuring this month. They made a special request for help. What do they want from the federal government? They want, A, an infusion of research money to help them keep their clean coal pilot project alive. Do they want the EPA to provide a one-time grant to help them meet clean air standards in the three plants they have that are close to meeting federal standards? Or do they want the Department of Energy to declare an emergency to the grid exists and use special emergency powers to deliver an infusion of cash and keep the company going? Or the last option you have, D, they've requested access to the federal government's vibranium reserves. Well, I haven't seen the uh, movie yet, but I know vibranium. (laughs) Rats, I was hoping you'd go for it. Uh, and I, I, I do have a degree in environmental science, so I never heard of that. So uh, I, he was sounding good uh, for something I had heard uh, about the grid, the grid being an emergency. I don't know if I could put the two together, but that's that's the one I'll go So you're with. picking C? This is great. Did he get the socks? Yes. Get the socks. Salvatore gets the socks. Yay! 
All right, Salvatore, that was pretty good. The Department of Energy does want them to, uh, I mean, he, they want the Department of Energy to declare an emergency to the grid and use special powers. They used these special powers eight times since 2000, including during the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. But even the Trump administration has rejected a similar request from Murray Energy last August. That's, that's interesting, Howard. You know, this falls under the category not just of coal but of chutzpah. Here's a company that has some old coal plants. They don't want to spend the money cleaning up. They want to shut them down. They want to keep them running, but they only want to keep them running if somebody's going to pay a lot of money. Who do you think the somebodies are? Taxpayers and consumers. They got rejected a bunch of different places. They're now going back to the U.S. Department of Energy and saying there is an emergency when it comes to reliability on the grid. You need our plants charge the taxpayers and the ratepayers hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions, so we can keep these running. The problem is PJM, that's the regional power pool that's responsible for grid reliability. They've said there's no problem. Exactly. There's no emergency. There's no reliability issue. This falls under the category of chutzpah. You know, in normal course, you would expect that the USDOE would say, are you kidding? Uh, but this is not normal times, as we all know. So the Environmental Law and Policy Center, Environmental Defense Fund, a number of environmental groups are going before the Department of Energy and saying, don't do it. And what the public should say is, why in the world would you do this? Absolutely. This is wrong. Do, do, do you ever end up having to sue coal companies over the um, the waste issue? The kind of just uh, the like, uh, I've got a great big coal mine here. I didn't clean it up. Yeah, we did a big case involving Peabody Energy. Peabody, the largest coal mining company in the, in the world, the largest privately held company, was seeking to transfer $1.4 billion of its mine reclamation and environmental cleanup obligations over to us, mm -hmm. the taxpayers. They were doing something called self-bonding, except when the company went into bankruptcy, they didn't have any ability to cover their self-bonds. We had to go into bankruptcy court, the bankruptcy judge, in effect issued an order that said Peabody can't reorganize unless they deal with this problem. They bought surety bonds to cover the costs of mine reclamation. What that means are the mines get cleaned up, the land gets restored, and that's done by the company as part of the cost of doing business, not shifted to the taxpayers. That's good news. You know, one of the statistics I was kind of surprised to read was um, that the research organization BTU Analytics expects U.S. coal power generation to drop by 12% this summer compared with last summer. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, it's, that's a matter of economics. It's not a matter of just policy or pollution. What's happened is natural gas, wind power, solar coming into the market – energy efficiency, demand response, are cheaper. Coal is just more expensive than a number of the alternatives. So when it comes to how do we power the grid for the future, coal is losing share. It's losing share because folks are saying you need to clean it up, and some of the companies don't want to spend the money to retrofit their plants. That's what's going on with Dynegy in yep. central and southern Illinois. But also, it's they're getting out-competed in the market. So when First Energy filed bankruptcy... The reason they said they're losing market share is because energy efficiency is saving people money and holding down demand, because natural gas runs cheaper than coal does, 
And because renewables like wind power and solar are coming into the market, and they're more cost-effective. Kim, you tried to close a coal plant for 10 years. Did you gain any insight into the strategy of, of what they're trying to do in prolonging their lives? Absolutely. And I think in, in hearing Howard talk, it definitely becomes clear to us that companies are just struggling. Coal companies are just struggling to stay relevant and stay alive. Like right? They're just trying to continue to, to force feed a dying industry. And communities around Illinois and around the country and around the world are fighting together to say this is no longer par for course. I mean, they knew the Crawford plant was going to get closed sometime or another. It was just a matter of somebody giving them the having the guts to absolutely give them the last push, and, and they were going to make money until then. Absolutely, and our our suggestion, recommendation, cry out to communities to say to continue to fight. You know, folks down south need to continue to band together and force Dynagy's hand to say this is no longer the wave of the future. How are we saving money? How are we looking at renewable energy? And how are, if we want to bring Illinois back and continue to bring it back, it is not going to be around coal. Kim Wasserman is with the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization, won the 2013 Goldman Prize for closing the Fisk and Crawford coal plants in Chicago. Howard Lerner is the attorney at large with the Environmental Law and Policy Center and joins us every year for our Earth Day quiz. We're going to be back with more quiz after the break. I'm Jerome McDonald, and you're listening to Worldview on WBEZ. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We're playing the annual Earth Day quiz with Howard Lerner, president of the Environmental Law Policy Center, and Kim Wasserman, executive director of the Little Village Environmental Organization. The number to call to play the Earth Day quiz is 312-923-9239. And winners of the Earth Day quiz get some WBEZ socks from our pop-up store, which is at wbez.org store. And let's go next to Jessica. You're on WBEZ. Welcome to the Earth Day Quiz. Yay. Hi. How are you? What are you doing for Earth Day? Um, I don't know. I might be in Wisconsin, so maybe maybe walking around in some woods. Well, I'm if, not sure yet. <laughs> I've got an, another idea for you. If you want to okay. stick around here, you could go see a, a film. It's called Happening, A Clean Energy Revolution. And the One Earth Film Festival is screening it at uh, five different locations around the city for Earth Day, happening a clean energy revolution. That'll make you feel good and optimistic. Great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've got some questions for you. And um, Howard, why don't you tee up this fun question about methane? Absolutely. And this is a category of optimism. So keep that in mind. Jerome wants to give away some socks. More than one third of the world's methane pollution comes from livestock farming. Which of the following is true about the state of the meat industry? A, plant-based food sales have risen 8% in the last year. B, Americans are set to eat more meat in 2018 than any year before. C, Americans' beef consumption decreased by 19% between 2005 and 2014. D, somehow all of the above. All right. Now, Uh, while this is the optimism section, 
it would seem that one of these things is really not optimistic, but yeah. it could be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds like you're pushing me to all of the above. But I was going to guess C, I think. Why don't you guess all of the above? That's a good okay, guess. Okay, all of the above. <laughs> meet, meet, and I am going. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to believe, but we're eating more plant foods and we're eating more meat. We're just eating more, I guess. I, 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 I don't understand how that works. <laughs> well, the average consumer is eating more than 220 pounds of red meat and poultry, poultry. according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I've almost given wow. up meat entirely. Yeah. Every once in a while, somebody can slip me some at some event or something when I'm not looking. But uh, I'm doing. I'm not as good as you. I'm doing less, less, less. But I'm. I'm just not as good as you both. It's. I did it backwards. I was a vegetarian for 13 years, but I eat meat now. Well, you've got a little psychic <laughs> storage of energy there. It's, it's so. just as bad as driving a car for the environment. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a it's a global warming thing. That's for sure. Um, Howard, how are you doing on getting an electric vehicle? Did you get a Bolt? Oh, we knew that was coming. My wife, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren said, "You better be prepared for Jerome to go at you on this." Yes, we're going to be doing that. Okay, I haven't done it yet. We're doing it now. Uh, going into you know the, who's got a bolt? going into what we think will be our summer. Uh, <laughs> bolt is Chevy's new electric car with two hundred mile range, and. Uh, Peter Sagel from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me drives his to the pier all the time now. Uh, my friends at church have a lot. I've got, I see three of them in the parking lot every day. That's pretty cool. You know what the really cool thing is? It's now not a matter of could you find one electric vehicle and do you like that one or not? Is it good for your family or not? There are choices. You know, you have a lot of automakers. I've got a leaf. Making, yeah, my, my family thinks it's the greatest car we've ever owned. You know what? And you've been driving that for a while, mm-hmm. and it's there. It works. It's effective. Your I've family never likes it. You've changed the oil in it. You've never changed the oil, of course. But we now have some really good choices, and that's why the market's going to begin to transform. Not because people can only say, well, do I buy this one or that one, and will it only cost $80,000 or nothing? You know, here are lots of good choices, good options. I'm there. Me too. Uh, Okay, let's go to another question. Kim? All right. In January, an Australian company unveiled the world's very first 100 solar-powered recreational what? A, train, B, jet ski, C, mechanical bull, or D, cruise ship? And please don't Uh, say mechanical bull. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cruise ship. I've been waiting for that toilet sound, Mike. That was a, <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> it was A, the train. The Byron Bay Railroad Company refurbished a two-mile stretch of track and restored a heritage train, outfitting it with a 6.5-kilowatt solar array with flexible solar panel. Solar panels. Yay. Howard, how, how realistic is it that we get solar Trains, because what I under all those big high power fast trains, they all run on nuclear energy, don't they? <laughs> well, no, they don't really run on nuclear. But, but here's they what, need a lot of juice. Here's what's going to happen. Over time, you're seeing solar panels become about one to one and a half percent better, stronger, more efficient each year. So as you can pack more power into a solar panel, that means you use need fewer of them to convert sunlight into electricity. 
So short run, Bristol, Byron Bay, that's a two-mile stretch. But you watch as we get more solar powers that are more powerful in delivering energy. They go long. They're going to be able to deliver more when it comes to trains and other ways of getting around. I just like more CTA trains and buses in general. And if there's public, transportation, public transportation in general, yes. <laughs> yep, that is a good idea. If you look at this thing, it's pretty cool because it really is an old-timey train and it's got yep. all these solar power things on solar power panels on top. That's pretty cool. Absolutely, and it's pretty cool too. The battery bank has the same capacity as a Tesla Model S, which oh. is pretty cool. Oh, so it's like taking a Tesla on your public transportation. Well, it's that about storing cool. the sunlight so you get it 24-7. Absolutely. And that's what's powerful. Solar plus storage, Absolutely. that's a game changer at Rocks. Absolutely. It's like cell phone plus Wi-Fi plus router, Bluetooth, solar plus storage. That's the future. All right, we're going, we're going to move on to the audio clip portion of the quiz. We're in, in a gigantic new cool. step forward. We're throwing some audio clips in here. And, Jessica, this first one is from Timothy Mitchell. He's the author of Carbon Democracy. I interviewed him last year. Here's his clip. After the 2008 financial crisis, banks that had made a lot of money by investing in subprime mortgages, in real estate booms and so on, were looking for new places to create credit and to create new kinds of booms. So the question is, what did banks like Citibank, Wells Fargo, BNP, uh, Chase Manhattan, Bank of America, TD Securities, what did they find that was stable enough to invest in? What kind of thing did they want to invest in here? Um, wait, is that multiple choice? Uh, you know, it's something that has an infrastructure related to the carbon universe thing. And we're, we're still in optimism? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're in miscellaneous. <laughs> oh, boy. Um... Sometimes, there's, sometimes there's some protests Protecting water, uh, protecting land. Oh, the oil pipeline? You got it. Got it. Really something. We're giving out those socks. Here's, here's Timothy Mitchell. Timothy Mitchell has the answer here. Pipelines are attractive because they're extraordinarily expensive, and yet they come, as it were, as a single package. And so you can create enormous amounts of credit over just one big operation, whereas um, renewable energy uh, can tend to be much more diversified among many different producers and doesn't lend itself to the same kind of very large-scale financing. Howard, what's up with these banks? Uh, they like to finance big things. You know, you're, you're putting a lot of capital into something. Bad things. You're Bad trying things. to get a big rate of return on it. So that's why big coal plants, big nuclear plants, pipelines are attractive. When it comes to solar, some big projects that are being made, those are financeable. Banks are now looking at an opportunity for the future, which is how do you aggregate and put together solar that's more distributed in smaller pieces, but when you add it all up, there's a really good opportunity there. I think what you're going to see is some of the big banks that have been used to doing big projects like coal, pipelines, et cetera, are going to be trying to find ways to do new projects like solar because they all recognize that's the wave of the future. And if uh, you know Howard's bank doesn't do it, Kim's bank is going to find a way to do it. And these folks compete, and they're going to find a way to do new models of financing. And that's the optimistic view for the future, but big projects, pipelines, transmission lines, coal plants, nuclear plants, 
you know, that's what the financial institutions tend historically to have liked to do. And, you know, customers of these banks should be letting their banks know what they should and should not be investing their money in. Yeah. That's, pipelines are not great. Um, so here we go. Uh, we're talking with Kim Wasserman from the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization, Howard Lerner with the Environmental Law Policy Center doing the Earth Day quiz. And we've got this uh, fun uh, section that has clips in it. And Larry, you're on WBEZ. Hello, Jerome. How are you, Larry? Hi, great. What are you doing for Earth Day? Um, giving up coffee cups and, I mean, uh, bad coffee cups and starting with uh, my own stainless steel one. Very yeah. nice. That is a good move. I, it, one of my things on Earth Day, I usually try to do something to just move the ball forward every Earth Day. Try to, you know, change some few light bulbs in the house, try to do something right. And that's, uh, that's a totally righteous thing. I am disgusted by the disposable culture. K-cups. Mm-hmm. Zero waste. I hear you guys play around with that at your organization. We do. We do. We've definitely talked to folks about uh, consumption and definitely about small things that they can do to change habits um, because it's really a question about why do we need so much stuff and when did that culture shift happen that we had to replace everything. Um, Our neighborhood used to be ripe with repair shops. There's only one left. Right. So what does it look like for us to be regrounded in not only why we need so much stuff, but as more diesel comes into the neighborhood, that's more new stuff coming in and who's buying that new stuff. And the question becomes, do we need all this new stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed there was a fun uh, group that was formed off Instagram, Zero Way Chicago, and they're doing a lot of meetups and things where they talk <clears throat> about ways you can you can cut this out. I had them on the show. They were nice. Absolutely. That's great. All right. Let's sneak into this last question here. This is from just the other day when I was talking with Yale historian Timothy Snyder. And here's Tim Snyder. If one wanted to have a long-term strategy about such governments, the thing to do would be to do the thing which you should do for other reasons anyway, which is to support alternative sources of energy and have some kind of a policy on climate change. Which of the American adversaries does Snyder think could be defeated with a transition to alternative energy? And um, it's, a, it's kind of a big adversary, traditional adversary. Hmm. Um, People say it all the time about Saudi Arabia. But we wouldn't have to do – we wouldn't have to be allies with Saudi Arabia – if we, okay. if we did, but you know, but it's not. It's that's the funny thing. There's other oil states out there who we never say that about, but yet it would seem to apply. Two um, wizards, not OPEC. So it's a traditional uh, rival. It's sometimes been in the news a lot recently. We're having a a, a new war with it. A new cold. shirtless on a horse. Well, I'm really behind the times. I actually believe it or not, I have his book for God, uh, Timothy about tyranny. Well, what does he write about? Uh, about um, intolerance and not doing well, something. Jerome, help this man. Here, here, here is the answer. Here is Timothy Snyder with the answer. The Russian government is a carbon fuels-based oligarchy. If those things change, then we can imagine that there's actually an American strategy towards Russia. Larry, you're getting the socks. I don't care what anybody (laughs) says. We're giving you the socks. All right, Larry. Thank you. uh, You're welcome. Thanks for playing the Earth Day quiz. Uh, We're going to leave it there, and that'll be the last person for the Earth Day quiz. But I hope people get out there. There's lots of things to do. 
The Student Conservation Association is hosting a 60 Projects for Earth Day in honor of 60 years of the Student Conservation uh, Association. And you can help restore wildlife along the Lake Michigan waterfront on Sunday at 9 a.m. on Earth Day. There's lots of events like that. I like the ones that um, that you can get out and do stuff. And the Student Conservation Association is out there uh, on Facebook, on Twitter. We've got a list of events uh, up out there on Facebook that you can check out. Uh, go to WBEZ Worldview. That's super fun. Someone, uh, a listener named Beth called and told us about her kids. They are six and eight years old, and they've decided to have an Earth Day birthday party this weekend. They're going to make an art project with some natural items from the outside, like twigs and leaves. And then they're going to eat a birthday cake made of chocolate pudding and gummy worms. Nice. Oh, yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah. What's, <laughs> that's what's going on with Cecilia and Elliot. Happy birthday. Happy Earth Day birthday to you guys. That's that sounds super fun, super nice. I think that's optimistic, isn't it? Absolutely. A it is. birthday party. Well, um, thanks a lot for joining us, Howard Lerner from You're the welcome. Environmental Law Policy Center. Congratulations on 25 years of defending the environment. And winning. Well, and we, we play to win. And we look forward to seeing you Thank at Navy Pier on May 11th at your gala. Kim Wasserman is with the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. One of my goals this summer, I didn't do it last summer, but is to get out for a toxic tour where you walk around Little Village and see uh, the good stuff that's happened and the bad stuff that's happened. Absolutely, It's super fun, and I understand there's a discount until Earth Day on your website, a 10% discount. 10% discount folks can get in, and that's helping to fundraise for a roof at our community garden. Check us out online. Um, We definitely need support, and definitely talk to your alderman about what's happening with the Industrial Corridor Modernization plan and how industry can affect your community. All right. And what's your website? It's lvejo.org. Correct. www.lvejo.org. For some reason, the acronym for Little Village Justice Organization does not come easily to me. When I, <laughs> I think it's helps. like a five words is not is too much. For Jerome, ours is easier. <laughs> ELPC.org. <laughs> I'm Jerome McDonald. You've been listening to the Earth Day Quiz here on WBEZ Chicago. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.